it's time to bring you inside the Toronto Waterloo Innovation Corridor. Join host Todd Cooney and co-host Dean Mariani as they chat with CEOs, founders, and disruptors, some of the most influential people in this tech ecosystem. This is the Startups to Scale-Ups podcast. Hey there, and welcome to another episode. Today, we are sitting down with two of the three co-founders of Athena Software, Greg and Diane Stanley Horn. For those of you that don't know, Athena Software is an incredibly secure, reliable, and configurable cloud-based case management software for nonprofits and social services. You can find more information about them at athenasoftware.net. So enjoy the episode, and thank you for listening. Okay, today we are sitting down in Athena Software's HQ in Waterloo, Ontario. We are sitting with the two of the three co-founders, Diane Greg. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank Why you, don't you give a little bit of background on when you guys started, because it's 17 years, right? Uh, how you guys started and, and when? Uh, well, it was about 2001. We started out of, uh, originally out of Guelph, uh, Ontario, and uh, we came from industry, so we had a sense of sort of what the challenges and the pain points that organizations were going through uh, for their sort of clinical practice, as well as their reporting needs and kind of just administrative functions and, and struggling to deal with <clears throat> sort of the growing demands of, of dealing with larger and larger um, volumes of clients, as well as uh, the complexities of different types of service uh, care metrics and or modalities with their, their clients, and then also the reporting needs as well. And so there, we did some pretty extensive research around uh, beyond uh, the groups that we were already working with, and uh, we just saw a real market opportunity there that was unfulfilled, particularly with web-based software that would be uh, configurable uh, by the organizations themselves without having to do any uh, sort of custom uh, writing themselves or coding themselves. Something that would be a scalable platform for them that would be uh, diverse enough to support uh, you know their, their growing needs and their ambitions in terms of the types of services they were providing. And so we got a, a small team together. We bootstrapped from scratch and uh, Diana and Kevin and, and uh, some others who are still here today uh, built uh, our first sort of iterations of our software um, case management platform. Talk, you kind of led me into this next question. Talk a little bit about how you finance this business uh, from, in, from inception all the way until today. Well, we had a couple uh, early sort of alpha clients uh, who are willing to, to, uh, to work with us and help um, help us, I guess, um, develop the software originally to sort of meet their uh, their needs. And so that provided a little bit of uh, sort of certainty for us. And we did sort of basically odd jobs <laughs> on the side, like websites and, and different kinds of things uh, to get going. Smaller uh, software products that were, um, for example, an outcomes uh, evaluation product that was uh, sort of a small um, a product that was used by uh, family service agencies across Canada. Uh, we leveraged that and in, in integrated actually into the larger uh, application that we built a little bit later. We had some other smaller uh, products as well, but we just did whatever it took <laughs> basically to, to uh, get enough money to be able to, to expand and, and grow the company and realize our, our vision. Yeah. We were lucky enough too to work with some larger clients early on that offered a diversity of services. And so that gave us exposure into a range of service sectors that enabled us to grow more quickly early on. 
within those service sectors themselves. So a multi-service counselling organisation might provide domestic violence services and um, sexual assault, addiction services, as well as counselling, family mediation, etc. And so by working within all of those and working really closely with those clients and getting, gaining a deep understanding of those service sectors, we are able to then approach organisations that may have been smaller but provided um, a, a, narrow, a narrower range of those services and uh, expand quickly there. Yeah, and then we were lucky from a geographic perspective to get some traction fairly early on with uh, the, the states. And so we had some large clients in Pennsylvania early on and then in the Midwest and then in California. And so that sort of helped us establish a sort of a beachhead or a footprint out there. And they, they you know, we did really well with them so that it allowed us to expand. And then we got <coughs> some fairly large clients in, in the, the UK and then also uh, in Australia. And then things just expanded uh, from that point. So now we're in, I think, 15 countries around the world and uh, we've uh, I think got 19 time zones that we have to cover. <laughs> wow, that's impressive. Yeah. So for, for, for the average listener that, that may not know who you are, um, talk about you know Penelope, you know, what, what is it, mm-hmm. uh, who, who's the target audience and like what's, what's the problem you guys are looking to solve with that? Yeah. that one? Sure. <laughs> so Penelope is a comprehensive case management solution designed for the social services sectors, social services and mental health uh, sectors. And it will sit at the heart of an organization and help with their administrative functions, including their scheduling and billing, accounts receivables, and um, other functions within an organization, as well as um, handling the comprehensive client files and um, client records and tracking of all the client outcomes and progress through service. So it would be used by not only the administrative staff but also all of the direct service providers as well. And um, it's grown um, in many ways over the years. It handles a number of different kinds of services and service settings and, and modalities, so in, uh, individual, couple, family, group services. And um, as well, this year we are ex- extending it and offering a new product called Client Connect that will actually be a patient portal that'll allow uh, our customers' clients to directly interact with our with our product as well and um, work directly with their service providers online. So some of the um, organizations that use our software our Canadian National Department of Defense uses it for um, counseling for and sort of relocation support services for people who are in service and they get moved to sort of another, another base and so mm-hmm. to deal with uh, the counseling and case management services for them and their families and the relocation sort of uh, support services that are required there. Um, we have the Department of National Defense in Australia as well, Veterans Affairs, and so all the post-traumatic stress counseling, sort of addictions, mental health services for active service members as well as their families and veterans over time. Um, we have a lot of um, behavioral health organizations that use our software, a lot of home visiting services for either at-risk moms or uh, at-risk uh, families and, and uh, kids, um, child and mental health services. We have some inpatient places, some hospitals, and, and even police services as well, using it for victim services. So it's a pretty broad um, group of, of uh, agencies that use our software. And so how did, like, how did this this idea gets started like it seems like such a niche uh, you know thing to get into um, you know what kind of influence you guys to, to kind of 
get this going? Well, I worked at some service direct service providers myself uh, um, in my past life, and uh, I was responsible for understanding how the programs were offered and, and uh, uh, getting funding for additional services, evaluating the services, designing services, and uh, it really struck me because part of my job was to, to not only evaluate the services but report on them and figure out how we're achieving the kind of goals that we were setting out to do and also some of the challenges about what was holding us back from being able to efficiently service uh, the greater volumes of, of demand that, that we were seeing in different populations and it came down to there's efficiencies uh, that were to be had for just in how services was de were delivered and also to create a sort of a framework where services could be provided in a consistent framework. So in the past things were really program by program, so a given organization will have multiple services. Each one was tracked kind of independently. Uh, the characteristics were tracked independently. The clients were tracked independently. The kind of performance metrics and outcomes were tracked independently. And so there was a real need, I, I saw anyways, to try to harmonize it and coordinate those into sort of a common vocabulary across services um, so that they could speak sort of as, as an agency and not have such a siloed sort of perspective. And there's a lot of efficiencies and best practices to be um, um, deployed there uh, amongst their services so they have a sort of a common customer experience uh, from their perspective uh, and a sort of a common vocabulary around around the outcomes and the, the service uh, goals that they're trying to achieve so there was a need for that and uh, there wasn't any software that did there's hospital systems that were up here and then there was like homegrown systems down here and there wasn't really anything in the middle and so that was the opportunity that we we, we saw that to, to fit one of, Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say one of the unique things that sort of differentiates case management software for this sector um, as compared to say medical software is that it really focuses on a family and so you can have individuals in the system receiving services but more typically you would have multiple family members that may receive services independently or together and they might receive a range of services within the organization and so it's really important in a differentiator to have that sort of model of, of uh, the family model or a case model. Yeah, so you, you like because you think social services a lot of it's archaic when you when you walk in. You you found this niche was, which has been incredible, and you've been able to collect these different data points uh, from your kind of first clientele to, to who you're attracting now. Um, yeah, and it's abroad. You, you talked about you know taking over the the, the globe, which I love to hear. Um, talk a little bit about like how you're able to adjust based on the individual need, uh, based on the analysis already collected. Well, our, our software um, has some best practice smarts built into its design, which, like as Diane said, it sort of starts with a sort of a case-centered approach, not an individual patient-centered approach. Uh, goes out from there to try to have sort of a common framework for providing um, a range or a continuum of services. Um, or I should say, it provides a sort of a framework where you can track a, a continuum of services from everything from anonymous kind of services or yeah. outreach style services where they're not getting names, you know, things like uh, um, homelessness outreach uh, services uh, where information referral through to more community building and advocacy services through to more clinical and uh, services where there's potentially many, many years of service involvement uh, of the provider. So we need to, to have someone that, that support that entire spectrum of services. We need to do it in a way where they could define on a service-by-service -service basis what was important to them, what the outcomes were that they were trying to achieve, what the metrics that they were trying to deliver and, and report on, and how the worker performance attributes that they wanted to capture as well along the way, but to do it in a way that they could own it and configure it and, and have it adapt and be flexible and drive their ambitions over time. Uh, 
as well. So I think we were successful in doing that. And as, as we've engaged with them uh, over the years, um, one of the nice parts about being a global company is you learn a little bit about the best practices in each individual jurisdiction and you can build that or bake it into the software and then be able to provide it to other um, parties around the world. And so now we're getting to a point where our clients are really asking us and seeking our, our prescriptive sort of advice about how best to solve their problems. And what do other clients do? And we even have like fairly large organizations asking us uh, as well where, you know, normally you'd think that they'd already have those answers kind of solved. So I think that's a good position for us to be in. And, and uh, we add a lot of value on that side as well. So services and the kind of engagement that we, we work with that our clients to, to integrate um, our software within their, their practice um, becomes a really, really important part of their success as well. Does that answer your question? <laughs> Absolutely. 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 Bang on. Uh, so let's change gears here. Let's talk about um, culture of your company. I know, you know, even just walking through here, you can feel it. But in, in your own words, talk talk about, you know, describe your, your culture. As you, as you know, like, we, we don't build vi widgets here. We, we, we basically build outcomes. We empower our agencies to be able to to uh, deliver on, on uh, improving the lives of, of their clients that they're serving, the patients or communities that they serve. And so just by virtue of that, uh, we're a very mission-driven organization. It sort of ramifies from through everything that we do from sort of marketing to sales to support to the services that I was mentioning earlier and the success work that we do. So being a sort of a mission-driven organization, um, <clears throat> it, it's not only a motivating factor, but it's also a good cultural factor as well because it's, um, it sort of informs the way that we work with our customers, which is respectful and supportive and engaging, but also how we work together as a team collaboratively. And we find that people uh, are attracted to that, that kind of environment where they're doing something that's sort of purpose-driven in, in a way. And because it's so diverse and, and humbling to work with the clients that we do, uh, how could you not be affected by that? And how could that not uh, motivate you in terms of your career, in terms of uh, the kind of commitment that you would have? And so that's one thing we really benefit from here and we really embrace as well as that sort of the mission-driven sort of culture. I think it also really helps um, I don't know, um, when we're looking at our organization in terms of, you know, every sort of aspect of what we do, we have developers, we have marketers, we have salespeople, we have people who are in HR, you know, we have a whole gamut of people, but by connecting um, them to the outcomes that our clients are trying to achieve, they all feel like they're a part of it. And so we have sort of an MPS uh, engagement that we do with our customers to try to get their continuous feedback of how we're doing and how we can do better. And every it's it's a it's a the factor the fruit of the contribution of our entire staff everybody from from the ground floor up and I think we're all equally motivated and equally sort of driven by that kind of uh, uh, drive to do better for our clients because we know that the better they're able to support their clients the better outcomes they'll have and impact they'll have on their communities and the families that they work with which is you know ultimately why we're here. So it sounds like a very team driven environment. Mm -hmm. um, is there anything you guys do specifically to to enhance like team development? Well, we have a lot of culture, uh, cultural engagement, engagement uh, things that we do with our employees, um, in terms everything from like a fun days in Athena. We have kind of a work-life balance that we try to support as well. Um, we, we do a lot of, uh, uh, you know, uh, web, you know weekly uh, sort of meals together and things awesome. where we, and uh, lots of different kind of fun days and things so it's mm -hmm. it's something that we focus on you know pretty pretty significantly um, and as in in the last year and a half too in particular as as the velocity of our growth has increased as well um, we've just been really focused as well on 
incorporating everybody into the strategic vision and into the path that we're heading on and really being very communicative and collaborative and vocal about that and making sure that everyone's really passionate about it because we are we're really excited about what's been happening and where we're going and um, the clients that we're working with it's very exciting and humbling and um, and uh, so the more that we can really share and make sure that everyone's in the loop and feels a part of, of it, the more excited they are too. And that really helps drive the company. So every time I've been in the office, you almost get a sense of family, right? It's, <laughs> it's a great dynamic that you have here and it's a unique one, right? Where you know the founders are married and uh, your brother, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. why don't you talk a little bit about you know, how that sense of family from, from the early stages kind of carried forward with the workforce that you have now and uh, and talk about you know that unique dynamic because I love my wife I love to work with her you know, 10 to 12 hours a day I don't think she would put up with me personally but uh, talk about a little bit about that dynamic yeah you know I mean we do feel like it's a family in many ways and uh, we work really well together we always have and with Kevin too and uh, we do feel like uh, we have an extended extended family here and I think um, I do think that the staff feel that as well. Uh, I think that they feel like we care about them, we care about what we're doing, we care about who we're helping, and we care about our staff. And uh, um, people feel, I, I, I do believe that people feel that here and uh, appreciate that. We also have a father and son working here as we well. We do, yeah. Come on, really? Yeah. We have yeah. my sister works here as well. And, and, and uh, my brother-in-law, <laughs> yeah. I love so, it. So what about, what about the work-life balance for you two? You know, when you go home at the end of the day, is it, well, hey, we leave everything at the office? Like, we used to have, yeah. I was, my desk was here, Diane's desk was here up Not, until like two weeks ago. Yeah. We got some extra space. Uh, so we were like working crazy. four feet apart for 17 years, <laughs> driving home together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's true. There, You, you do need that um, separation. And uh, we have kids together yeah. and we have some hobbies together, also separate lives too. Yeah. But um, so it is important to have that too, and we do work really hard. But um, we also carve out time where we do not talk about work. <laughs> but on a practical yeah. level, what having a family, um, sort of that bond that you have with it. If you can avoid all the kind of quirks that come along with family or can come along with family, the good part is I think you can get to the heart of things a lot quicker than you can maybe by having to skirt around some things with with some non-family members. You're a little bit more resilient because you don't take things as Personally, you might not be as brittle as, as you might be in another environment, so you're able to have things out or, or be frank and have frank and open discussions and not worry about sort of, I don't know, longer term negative uh, effects. Not that we're, we would, uh, <laughs> but I just mean there's, there's a sort of openness uh, and a resiliency that you have with family that maybe you don't have. The other thing that's really important with us is we're totally different. Like Diane's different than I am, quite diametrically. Kevin's quite diametrically opposed too. So we have this, this balance, the balance and diversity of, of opinion that I think has really helped us. We haven't had a traditional CEO. We've done things sort of through consensus over the years as well. And so when you have that kind of openness to have a, a marketplace of ideas where you can freely express sort of different viewpoints and you value those viewpoints, um, we bake that into the culture as well. So we. We just have a bunch mm -hmm. of people who are really smart, really passionate, with really good ideas. But there's diversity is, is a, a treasure that we kind of value, and then helped us get to this point. Talk a little bit about uh, you know why Waterloo. You know you've grown your company organically uh, here in town. Talk about kind of the talent pool that you've had uh, access to, and, mm -hmm. and really just your hiring over the years. Well, we started in Guelph, so um, you know Guelph was. <coughs> 
a lot harder to hire develop, good developers and good good uh, IT talent, and uh, we just thought if we're going to to grow this company and scale it, we had to bring it to Waterloo. Mm -hmm. And luckily we, we found some a good location We're right uptown Waterloo, which is right on the, the right on King Street, it's right on the bus routes. And I think 40% of our company uh, commutes through public transit or, or, or bicycles walking, or, or walks. Biking, so yeah. that's incredible. Yeah. 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 So you guys really are watching your carbon footprint. You guys we are, are carpooling yeah. and every, other people yeah. are you know, finding other means to get yeah, here, which is great. Well, we're, we're part of Sustainable Waterloo Region as <laughs> yeah. well, yeah. pledging member of that. Awesome. Yeah. So uh, just having, I think, um, something so close to the university, I think really, both universities has really helped and and uh, I don't know, I think water, it's, 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 a, it's a bit of a double-edged sword in terms of we have a lot of strict, uh, steeper competition for, for good talent here in this area because of, mm -hmm. you know, all the great tech companies that are here, but at the same time it's been outweighed by I think the benefits that we get from Communitech and, and the community of tech companies here because they're so open and sharing and supportive. It's not we compete on, on on talent, but we don't compete on anything else, it seems. And so they've been really helpful in a lot of other ways that you wouldn't find in other communities. So I think what we really benefited from, from being here Waterloo in that sense. Mm -hmm. So this is a question we love to ask everyone we interview. And maybe you can both answer it individually. Um, think back to your 20-year-old self. Mm -hmm. What advice are you, are you giving that person? <laughs> 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 Hmm. Do you want to go first? No. <laughs> I think, I think, uh, like I went to school for poli sci and uh, you know English and philosophy and things. So I'd never pictured, like I don't even know if there was. There was no internet back then. I remember seeing the Mozilla browser, like, um, the uh, Mosaic browser for the first time, and and uh, but it didn't occur to me that you know the web would be so huge and people have most of their. You know, commerce and transaction lives online at that point. Uh, so I think it was more important as a 20-year-old to just really be a good, smart thinker who can adapt and learn and understand and listens and, and can adapt to different situations and, op and see opportunities and, and, and uh, engage with opportunities. Um, I think if, you, if I would have been a, something that was very focused and very specific, I would you know, you wouldn't be open to, to trying to solve different kinds of problems. And, and uh, I don't know, I, I think the having a sort of a good analytic mind <coughs> that where you can understand problems and solve problems, regardless of the field that they're in, was probably the best sort of uh, attribute for me. Hmm. I don't know if I can, I don't know if I have a good answer for that question, to be honest. But, I mean, it's true that I also started in different fields. I, I was in uh, environmental biology, and I also studied psychology. And uh, really, it was through psychology and then exposure through, you know, a range of um, volunteer experiences in social services that, um, that kind of brought me over into um, where I am today. Um, but uh, it's, it's true that you don't really need to... Uh, worry at that age about the particular field that you're in because there is always opportunity to grow and change and I think I was worried at the time but <laughs> and then you picking the right, right path yeah. and you do you yeah. adapt and you learn and it's more important to be able to learn and to be uh, compassionate or passionate sorry about um, about learning and growing and yeah give me a uh, most influential book that you've ever read uh, so, I don't know about most influential book. <laughs> um, I would say that my favorite books from 
you know, when I was probably in my late teens, is a hundred years of solitude. <laughs> okay. okay. Yeah, and uh, of human bondage, both very good books. <laughs> Are those influential for you? I don't they, they probably were influential, but at I can't time, right? at the time, yeah. yes. That, but, um, oh, you ha you're giving me questions I wish you'd seated me with before so I could have thought about them and thought of the answers. Do you podcast at all? Do you listen to podcasts? Or audio I like Project Moonbase. Yeah. It's a, a very funny one, yeah. It's not about work. It's, <laughs> it's about sort of these uh, two British guys who have just a really quirky uh, sense of humor and uh, have a real bizarre taste in music. And so they've, they've curated this sort of really uh, in, ingenious uh, sort of array of music that you would normally come across. <laughs> very cool. Project Moonbase. Yeah. Project Moonbase. Mm -hmm. yeah. Interesting. Uh, looking five years out. You know, mm -hmm. where do you see Athena in five years? What do you see as, uh, you know, a, a great goal, the grand goal that we like to say uh, in five years? Where do you see the company? So I can start and you can finish. Oh, this okay. Time, so. All right. <laughs> <laughs> to give you something to work with, right? I love it. Uh, so in the last um, couple of years in particular, we've really been focusing on setting ourselves up to scale up the company. Um, we were growing, bootstrapping for a long time and growing slowly but surely and increasing, um, like growing consistently over time. Uh, and uh, we've really reoriented ourselves and really um, put a lot of things in place in the last year and a half in particular to really be able to scale up this company and accelerate the growth and accelerate our, our impact. Um, and uh, so... We, we have a three-year strategic plan that sort of also extends to, to five years, and um, we are setting ourselves up to, to follow that plan and really scale the company. On another level, <clears throat> when it comes to sort of our social impact of, of the clients that we work with, we calculate that we have about, a, a, our, our clients sort of serve a million people uh, a year. Actually, probably it's more now. That was a couple years ago we did. So mm -hmm. you'd be looking at 1.5, maybe 2 million people that they serve. I think um, when we look at some of the sectors that, that we work with, um, for example, sort of at-risk at mothers who um, uh, in America with... Uh, you know, who are considered sort of at risk from their standards and uh, have their first child. Um, there's something like uh, 800,000 uh, moms a year who are in that category. And we serve right now, I think, 280,000 of those moms. I think it would be fantastic if we can get that to be the 100% the uh, within about five years. And the agencies that we're working with are shooting for that as well. But then also to have that number be not 800,000, but 400,000 just by virtue of there being less risk. And if we can sort of have that kind of impact on that sort of sector and then across other sectors as well, that'd be pretty amazing. We'd be pretty happy with that. Yeah, I think it's incredible to have, you know, everybody aligned with the same vision uh, as, the, as the founders. You know, everybody's kind of in it. Uh, everybody's got the same morality, right, which is, which is pretty awesome to see. Um, I really want to know about these fun days at Athena. Like, can we get invited <laughs> to talk, talk a little bit about, like, sure. uh, yeah. you know, the last one that you did. Give me, give it was me a, a It was breakdown. a virtual reality one. Yeah, we went yeah, to uh, yeah. Yeah, Control V in Waterloo. Oh, yeah. yeah. How was that? Yeah, that was fun. It was fun. actually fun. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. good. That was a yeah. great experience. We did curling. We've done. We've you know, done an cool. escape room. Yeah, nice. Yeah, successful. Hopefully, yeah. yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> like a wine yeah. wine tour of uh, uh, Niagara on the Lake. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We've taken a ferry ride. Yeah, done quite a few fun yeah. ones. Yeah, I like curling. Curling, so and and surprisingly fun. Bowling, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
uh, <laughs> golfing, you know. Yeah. Is there a lot of competition within the office? When you go out to those events where there's curling or... Yeah, there is. Is Surprisingly, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Everybody's got a competitive edge that comes (laughs) in. So that's everything I had. Uh, And and really want to thank you both for kind of sharing the insights on on truly, you know, a very successful story within the region. You know, going 17 years strong. We're hoping for another 17, probably longer than that. Mm. But uh, thank you very much for sitting down and having that conversation with us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Startups to Scale-Ups podcast with CBRE's Office Corridor Group. If you know of an incredible founder or tech influencer that should be showcased on our podcast, you can reach us on Instagram at Office Corridor Group or email todd.cooney at cbre.com. And if you like what you hear, please subscribe for more episodes and leave a review.